Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Till the end of time. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. After further review, that's that future with that mask off. Mask off. Yes, the masks are finally off here on in the state of Ohio. Mask mandate is over. Ended, I believe, on June 2nd. Can you believe it? Been over a year uh, since we've been having to basically wear those masks because of the coronavirus. And it's coming up about toward the end of the month, I believe. Or maybe the first weekend of, no, about second weekend of July that been a year since we got back in the in the studio remember after the second week of march everything got shut down so we weren't actually in the studio until about july and we were probably one of the first shows around in the area that got back into a studio and actually did a show and uh that, that was a pretty cool feeling so we're in the studio today uh uh frank couldn't make it he's at baseball districts uh, in the michigan high school uh baseball state playoffs before that we just uh, replayed a segment of Dan Jeffrey, his baseball assigner. That was a really good, popular segment. Now we got another popular person from our show here on 88.3 WHUT, and that is David, the man of God, Harris. As you know, we got to go ahead and give him a, uh, a round of applause here. Uh, David, the man of God, Harris, enters in. And David, what's up, my man? How's it, uh, how's it going? Not much. Not much. Everything's good. Taking a bow like Trey Young in the midst of the Mecca. Thank you. Glad to be back. As we we mentioned before, uh, we will be talking a little bit about the NBA playoffs. And, uh, David, you got the platform. What's the first series you want to talk about here as uh, – not a, not not actually it was pretty good good playoffs to be honest with you uh, the the first round um, but your your analysis we'll go with you first and I'll see I'll just see if I can concur or disagree with you yeah so we'll start here since I'm in the state of New York we'll go down the throughway to the New York Knicks honestly not surprised that the Knicks kind of would lose to the Atlanta Hawks with the series that finished four one. I thought it might go six just because, you know, first game back to kind of New York bravado. But I think the biggest thing is New Yorkers do this to themselves. And media, at least up here, kind of clamored on that and hammered that point home. The second the New York Knicks fans got cocky and said, oh, we're going to win this series, it's over. Because, Brad, like, no one wants to see a brash, cocky New Yorker fail than the rest of America. Because when they talk their stuff, like, chest popped high, the Knicks are back. Like, we were, Spike Lee hasn't been on camera that much in 15, 20 years since the 30 for 30 was Miller time. Like, but yeah. The last time the the Knicks made the playoffs is when you were clamoring for your boy, uh, Camelo Anthony, to get the MVP. Yeah, I mean... 
and there's a reason because, like, obviously, and the, they were god awful, and then they had all kinds of rotational changes. You saw a little glimmer of hope, and we just saw for that one shining moment, kind of the old veteran guard, kind of the Derrick Roses, kind of having that lights out performance. But yeah, at the end of the day, and it comes 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 back to some of your boy what you saw in Chicago. Just Thibodeau has a plateau. It's like he got them this far. Like getting the Knicks to the playoffs was an achievement. Getting them to a top four seed, home court advantage, achievement. But did you want to say that they overreached by far? Yeah, because everyone thought, and I'll be the first one to say, I didn't think the New York Knicks would make the playoffs this year. Well, I, I kind of thought they'd make the playoffs. Did I think they'd get as high as a seed that they got? No. I don't think they really plateaued. I think they were just tired. <laughs> I mean, I, I once again, I think Thibodeau was a, a go-hard coach. He had some young players, and, you know, D. Rose is, is thriving. Actually, I think D. Rose had a really good series. Um, but the problem is, is that the teams tire out. I saw. I mean, heck, I saw this firsthand as a, as a Bulls fan, and, and, and Thibodeau didn't have as much talent as those Bulls teams in the early uh, decade uh, of, the, of the teens, I guess. Uh, to get further, but if you notice, it looked like the, the Knicks were just exhausted. I, I think the, it looked like Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett hit a wall, and that's probably because you know when you're young and you're trying to win, you got to put in that hard work. And even though it was 72 games this year, they went hard all the time, and they got a lot of victories, and they moved up the stands. But then when you get to to the playoffs. Uh, it looked like they petered out. That's what it looked like, and and that's something of with the growth of a, of an NBA player. You got to remember, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon, and you got to pick and choose how hard you go. I mean, obviously, it was ten less games, but they went hard and they were having fun. But they had never been experienced that before. Um, I'm I'm hoping Tibbs has learned from his experiences in Minnesota and Chicago that you know. These are professional basketball players. It's a long season. You can't go 100% the whole time because you're going to peter out. And and then you have these disappointing uh, playoffs, and, and, and that's what happened. Now, and hopefully next season it'll, be, it'll probably be back to a regular regular season because this was COVID-shortened and everything like that. But they'll pace themselves. Obviously, certain teams that they know that they should beat on paper uh, – you still go hard, but you give you know you you shorten the minutes of Randall. Obviously, D Rose is in his thirties. You got to shorten his minutes, but you just don't have the wear and tear. And that's what just that's what for me looked like to me is what happened with uh, the the uh, the the Knicks. They they petered out basically, and, and that happens sometimes. And Trey Young is just a phenomenal talent. You know what's so funny though, David, is I remember this when he first came in the league. Now remember. Who who actually originally drafted Trey Young, David? Do you remember? I, I believe it would be the, the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, the Dallas Mavericks originally drafted him, and the Hawks drafted Luka Doncic and then traded him straight up, just straight up trade. And I remember when the summer league first started, Trey Young struggled, and everyone was saying, oh, this is a bad trade, this and that. And then this dude scores 30 points in three straight games at the Mecca. And even almost got spat on, you know, right in front of 50 Cent. So, um, tremendous player. And the guy that was looking good, I remember. Now, you probably don't remember this. The player that was 
initially looking good in that summer league was Kevin Knox, and obviously he was uh, nowhere to be found in the playoffs. So um, I always tell people, you know, just because the, the maturation of a player is really strange in this league, and just because they don't come out straight and hot doesn't mean they can always be a great player. And uh, Trey Young has looked really good. The coaching change really helped them a lot, too, with Nate McMillan, a veteran coach. I think he got a lot of respect in the locker room. Lloyd Pierce kind of really didn't. And if it's kind of it's kind of strange here where McMillan comes in and kind of just turns this team around because they were just basically in turmoil. So, uh, once again, I, I thought it was a great win for the Hawks. I don't really think it was a great matchup for the Knicks. If the Knicks probably would have faced a different team, it might have been a little bit different, but it wasn't. So they get out in five games. I think if the New York Knicks could have play, played Miami, that would have been a good series for them. Uh, Miami just looked awful against Milwaukee. Uh, Boston would have been a good series for them. I just don't think the Hawks was really a good matchup for them. And if maybe, you know, now obviously they weren't going to get the number one seed, but Washington. But anyway. Yeah, this was just one of those things where not a great matchup for the Knicks, and they ended up losing. Yeah, and I think kind of as you said, it's always tough playing a team that if you know Trey Young and everyone's been saying, even since he was drafted, has a comparison to Steph Curry, just like with Steph. If he gets hot and he can, if he gets into a shooting rhythm, that team is dangerous, and they can compete with anyone. And we saw. Kind of not just within this regular season, but pretty much since Trey Young has been in the league. If he gets an all-night, all you need to do is win four out of seven. So they're definitely dangerous. So, yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks are the Knicks. It'll just be interesting to see, like you said, if they can kind of bounce back. Um, kind of just what that looks like. Yeah, Julius Randle, he averaged 18. He was their series leader, 18 points a game and 11 rebounds and four assists, but... He is awful. He has some bad shooting nights. Trigger Trey, 29 points per game, two rebounds, and nine assists per game. I mean, guys just in fuego. But, yeah, great. That was that was a good win for Atlanta. And, plus, I, I like to see that, that, that how that got turned around for them. Uh, now, what's the next series for you? Do you want to still stay in that bracket? Because Philadelphia just beat on Washington. That wasn't even a series. And they had to play in the play-in game as well. Uh, Washington did. Yeah. But, but you think series that you mentioned that was kind of disappointing what's the bleep happened to miami oh like, okay go that they, route go to the like, other side of the bracket <laughs> like like this team last year went to the nba finals and this is create this hysteria of okay bubble team kind of get into this environment when you're comfortable like were the heat really that bad I mean, I understand they traded away some of their pieces and obviously not having Victor Oladipo, who was their star acquisition. Um, listening to sports radio down in Miami, they are revisionist history in the heck out of the season. Like, oh, we should have gotten James Harden. We should have gotten rid of Duncan Robinson and kind of all the young guys. And it's like when you have young guys that are shooters, in a controlled environment like a bubble, shooters are going to feel more comfortable. Uh, and role players, just when that home court advantage, back and forth. But yeah, I just, I just didn't think that the the pitfall would be that crazy for Miami the year after being in the NBA Finals. Mm. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you know, look at the Lakers. They're the champs, and they're out, too. So, I mean, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk about that series a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, the, the first game went into overtime. But I think that deflated the, the heat after that, that first game. You could just tell that was just really a series momentum um, changer right there. And then after that, the heat just got smacked, 132-98. to 98. Game two, game three, one thirteen to eighty four. Then they got beat one twenty to one hundred three to close it out. It just, it just was never a contest. To be honest with you, Miami overachieved last season. They overachieved. Uh, the bubble, you can say. I, I really think this is what. Here is my thoughts on this. The bubble season was really what what helped a lot of teams. Was that they took a hiatus. You got to clear your mind, and a lot of people ended up. Uh, uh, the young, especially, it helped the younger teams heal up. Obviously, this year you're in a regular season. People that have those little knickknack injuries that get to you, that take away a little bit of your speed, or or you can't really get down the court, or it limits your minutes, starts to affect you. And I think that's what happened here with Miami. They went, you know, they they go hard during the season as well, and it they petered out. You know that Miami culture of staying in shape and everything like that. You know, sometimes that little wear and tear on you, it just eventually just wears on you. And I think Milwaukee was on a mission, too. Because if I remember correctly, didn't Miami defeat Milwaukee? Knocked them out of the playoffs yeah. last year? Yeah, yeah well, I talked to them about last year, and every, it was a whole requiem on Giannis. And- yeah, there was, there was some get back. And I think when they won game one, the mental edge went to Milwaukee. And then after that, because I, I think I believe – Giannis in that game, if I go back and look up the stats, he had a poor shooting night. I mean, they really held Giannis in check. And uh, it, it, it didn't look too good, but then they ended up getting the win. And then sometimes when you play basketball and you do your best on defense, you've got a great night going on, and you catch that L, and you already know that the guy's a great player and you played your best, uh pfft. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be a little uh, little uh, uh, ticked off here. Now let me go back to the stats here. Uh, yeah, uh, Giannis was 10 of 27 from the field, 0 for three from the three point line. He was six of 13 from the free throw line. I mean, yeah, he had 18 rebounds. He had 26 points, but he shot awful. Like. It was just volume shooting, which is what you want. I mean, obviously, he's a superstar. You know, Chris Middleton had 27 points. But even with him, he was 10 of 22, which is about 50, 45% from the field. But, you know, you hold those guys and you don't get the win. That starts to starts to mess with you a little bit. And, and, it, and it did. And, and, you know, you feel... You feel, you feel for them, but hey, it is what it is. And I, like I said, I think really, to be honest with you, Miami overachieved last season. They got in the finals this year. I think it kind of got back to back to normal. Yeah, and that's the thing that I kind of think that a lot of the conversation was, oh, well, if Victor Depot is healthy, that's a, you know, no. going to be a conference. And no. it's like, if this were fifth, we'd all be drunk. It's like, we can say, okay, Victor Depot, another scoring option. But it just looks like, one, Giannis was not going to lose the series. He, Like you said, he was determined on, he wants to be, like get to the NBA Finals. He wants to get to that that precipice. Yeah, he he got he got a lot of flack yeah. being a two time MVP and getting smacked around like Miami with like that. And uh, Victor Oladipo has not been like the Indiana Pacers at Oladipo a couple years ago. That uh, 
tested LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. Ever since that uh, quad injury, he hasn't really been the same. So even if he did play, I still think Milwaukee sweeps them. Now, is it much of a blowout? Probably not. It'd be a little bit closer, but it'd be a little less embarrassing. But they weren't going to win. I mean, not it's not to the fact where Oladipo is that much of an X factor. Uh, moving on, what's another series you want to talk about? Stay in the East. Sure. No, we'll jump over to the West. No, stay, actually, let's let's stay in the East. Let's 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 have some continuity here, not just be jumping around. We've already talked about New York, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Miami. So now you got Brooklyn, Boston, or Philadelphia and Washington. Let, let's let's stay in the East and then get to the West. All right, we'll, we'll go Brooklyn, Boston. Yeah. Um, A lot of drama in this one too. I mean, this was what everyone like everyone expected. If you have three of the top ten best players in top 10, depending on where you put Kyrie Irving. Um, they were expected to win this series. Boston or Boston, built Brooklyn? For Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Did I think Boston probably could have put up a better fight? Yeah, but I mean, it's tough when you have three offensive weapons on, on the other side, and then you have kind of, you don't have enough firepower to match with it. Like Jalen Brown can only do so much. Jason Tatum can only do so much. Well, Jalen Brown didn't play. Remember? He's injured. Yeah. But, I mean, even if he did, I I don't think he could he could have helped that much. I do. It still would have been. I do. I, I think the demise of the, this is, this, this sucks for the, the Celtics, even though Jason Tatum got a 50 ball and he averaged 30 points per game. Uh, Jalen Brown and Kimba Walker play in this series. This, this series is, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to seven. It, it, it totally changes it around, but they're injured. Jalen Brown's not playing. Kimball Walker had the bad shoulder. Now you're playing a lot of the backups in the play, in the playoffs. It's like, oh, come on, dude. It, it, it's just, it, it, you just, you're just not going to compete. I mean, this is the playoffs. This isn't the regular season. This is the playoffs, and you need everybody on deck. And if you don't have everybody on deck, it's going to be kind of hard. It just, it just is. I mean, let, let's just be honest with it. It's just, it just is. I mean, you know, the Nets overcame a slow start, and they go on, and they, like you said, there's too much firepower on their side, but it just, it just didn't work. It just didn't. I mean, you, you know, you feel, you feel bad for this team, but I even knew from the, from the, from the get go that with this series, you're not, you're not, you're just not going to, you know, you just, you just. Not gonna win. <laughs> it's just that's yeah. just what it is. You're just not gonna win. Yeah, and then kind of with the fall in Boston, it's I mean it's probably not related, but kind of the whole front office shakeup. Don't think that's gonna work out any well because you're putting some guy that doesn't have like any front office experience. Well, no, and, uh, David. I no, I I think this will work out. I, I do. I think that. Danny Ainge is moving aside. They're bringing up Brad Stevens. He's a smart individual. He, he was actually in the financial world. He actually was doing really well in the financial world before he became a coach. He just got tired of the financial world. Uh, I felt bad for Brad Stevens because the, the guy got to a few Eastern Conference. He's really a successful coach. Now, obviously, you didn't get the big prize, which everybody looks at, but this year was anomaly. I mean – Let's let's face it. I mean, and these guys. You know, Tristan Thompson's not going to get you anywhere. Marcus Smart, not a bad player, but he's more of a role guy. Uh, you you got to understand, the, the Boston just didn't have everything. Jason, you know, Jason Tatum was good. 
which was great. Um, you know, Marcus Smart got you 17, Kimba got you 15 in one of the games, but he was pretty he was he was five of sixteen, I believe, in, in game one. Um, so once again, you know, uh volume shooting. When you start having to go down after Walker got kind of injured and you gotta go start getting Romeo Langford into the game, who barely played during the regular season, it was bare bones for the Celtics. Uh, you, even looking at Jabari Parker trying to contribute for you too. That that was another little uh, scary little thing there for them. So, like I said, this, you you mentioned earlier they were pretty much outmatched. You already were down because of uh, of injury to to Jalen um, or uh, excuse me, yeah, Jalen Brown. So I'm not surprised by this uh, moving up uh, Brad Stevens to the front office. Maybe was a really good move. And then we'll just have to see who he brings in as the coach. Now, this could be some two little ties to this. Uh, Jay Laranega, who was his assistant, some say he might move him up. I doubt it with how the media scrutiny is. Uh, it might be best bet for Jay Laranega to maybe, you know, move on and and uh, uh, go somewhere else because it, him being the head coach there and everything that's going on in Boston, they want winners. I don't know that would be good for him. So, uh, but we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think the front office move, it is whatever. But like I said, Brad Stevens, I think, needed a break from coaching. Uh, they probably got tired of his voice. And not to mention, it's not fair to a coach when your talent is on the injured list. It just makes you look more and more bad as a coach to the public, that people that don't understand coaching. Yeah, that can understand. The reason I said I'm just a little hesitant is kind of just knowing one – and that's, you know, be one of those kind of Bostonians. But I think they're, like, so particular about kind of maintaining kind of a culture. Kind of we want to promote from within. We want to kind of keep this thread going. Like, at some point, do you have to look and say, could we have gotten, like, could Danny Ainge have gotten someone with front office, like, with actually front office experience to kind of be, I don't want to say kind of groom, um, groom Brad Stevens for like a role. So like Brad Stevens wouldn't be head coach anymore, but he was like an associate for like for like a year or two, just so we can kind of blur some of the analytics piece about it. And then coming, kind of coming from the coach, kind of just seems like like boom. And I and I don't know obviously if there was any conversations how much Danny Ainge talked with Brad Stevens about the front office piece, like outside of just the head coaching stuff because those those are two completely different worlds and I just don't know how quick that transition could be because we've seen former players go or former coaches go into front office roles and it's a mixed bag so it's kind of one of those where. Like you're hoping for the best, praying that it doesn't, you know, hit the fan. Mm-hmm. I got that. I, I, like I said, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I to be honest with you, uh, I, I think it's a good move. I just do. I think, like I said, Brad Stevens is a smart guy. He wanted to get away from the bench, and he's up to going to be the GM office. Now the move is let's see who he picks as the head coach. So that's that's just my my take on it. The head coach piece is going to be big and see who they who they choose to lead the team. Um, but he, and he probably learned a lot from Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge was a shrewd 
uh, GM, you know. And if you think about it, he came in there and he really built up Boston to be competitive year in and year out because before he got there, the Celtics were awful, god-awful, to be honest with you. The year after he got there, um, actually he got there a year after the Celtics made a run of the Eastern Conference Finals with, you know, Kenny Anderson and Antoine Walker and Wata Wata Makate. Um, to, you know, shout out to the late, you know, Heinsohn, Tommy Heinsohn. But uh, after that, that next year they, they they fell off. And then when 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 Ainge got there, you know, he built that team up to the point where they won a championship five years later after he got there and got some great trades. And then, you know, I think if Kendrick Perkins doesn't get hurt in that NBA Finals, they win the 2010 NBA Finals against the Lakers. And then after that, they just battled Miami, but they still stayed competitive year in and year out. And you know, um, Brad Stevens ended up getting to a couple conference finals. Um, so, I, I like I said, it, it's been a, a successful run for Boston the last, if you think from 2003 to 2021, 18 years. I mean, let's face it, the, ever since Michael Jordan has left, the Bulls have only had a little stretch where they've been pretty good. And in those, you know, from 98 to 2003, 21 now 23 years I think they've only had five or six great seasons other than that they've been straight awful yeah and it's one of those historic franchises where everyone because they're a marquee because you know the historic everyone's going to be looking their eyes because it's young so the storyline is going to be interesting just to see what what that looks like particularly this offseason because like you said the head coach is going to Tell us all we need to know about the trajectory that Brad Stevens wants to see. Uh, then real quick, the most exciting thing about Philadelphia and Washington is that Russell Westbrook was two seconds and maybe one less security guard away from pulling the mallets in the palace. True. That is true. Yeah, yeah that, that that right there was just, if, if, if Embiid doesn't get hurt, I think that's a sweep. Uh Russell, entertaining player, but I don't think you'll ever really win with him. And you can talk about all the triple doubles and everything like that. But individual stats, like I said, I tell people all the time, I'd buy a ticket to go watch Russell Westbrook play. You know, he plays hard all the time. But to me, and and, and it gets, see this word, it gets deceiving. Oh, he gets a triple double. Yeah, he gets a triple double. But is he getting stats that are improving teammates because I mean he's getting eye-popping triple doubles where back in the day when Jason Kidd and Grant Hill got triple doubles it was pretty even line like Grant Hill could go get you on that if he got a triple double one night he'd probably get you 16 17 points he'd probably get you about 12 rebounds and around 11 assists I mean that's how it was with Russell Westbrook it's like 25 points 18 boards 14 assists and you're kind of looking at it as okay they're outstanding numbers but you know how hard it is to get a triple double to do that all the time you've ever noticed there was a certain category where your one of your numbers was high but maybe the scoring category had to come down low and you don't see that with Russell Westbrook to me everything's all high 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 so it seems to me Sometimes with Russell Westbrook, are you really out there playing to do whatever? I'm pretty sure he does whatever it takes to win, but how are you trying to elevate your team to win? You're getting these triple doubles, but your teams aren't winning. 
So then that makes me start to wonder, is this a stat padding thing? Because usually with Kidd and Grant Hill and Oscar Robinson, when those guys were getting triple doubles, teams were getting wins. And it should, and if you get a triple double, it should equate to wins a lot of times, but it's not. And, you know, Washington had to be in the play-in game and be in the 10th seed and whatnot, but I don't know. I, I just don't think, if, if I had a choice between Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook, if I were to pick a guard that could probably be entertaining and yet try to get you wins, I'd go with Damian Lillard. Even though he got knocked out in the first round, um, he still makes his teams very competitive where I just didn't see this being a very competitive Washington team. And he had a running mate with them in Bradley Beal. It wasn't just like Russell Westbrook and then nobody else. He had someone that was comparable to him. So, yeah, this this was just a poor series. And if I was Washington, I'd try to reevaluate what's going on with this team. You got two good assets with Beal and Westbrook, which you can only really get to the ACs, a.k.a. playing game with these two. Some people might say, well, it's a COVID season. Give them another year. But if I was Washington, you're at that brink where should we just hit the reset button? Trade these guys. Get what you can out of them. Try to trade Beal and Westbrook to to some contenders and just go on over. Because once again, you're kind of in the hamster wheel of the NBA. Do you want to continually always be in the playing game to get to the eighth seed and then get smacked by the first seed? That's something that uh, during the offseason, Washington is going to have to think about. Yeah, and I think kind of, I think it is time for my uh, for Washington to hit the reset button. I mean, last offseason, kind of the big hoopla was, oh my gosh, they got rid of Bradley Beal, John Wall. They kept Bradley Beal. They signed him to this long extension, kind of trying to throw him around, and then you bring in Westbrook. And yeah, it just you brought in like, you brought in the same player, John Wall and, and Russell Westbrook are the same player. Yeah, <laughs> you brought in the yeah. same player. Yeah, and they ran into, well, you said the same exact issue, kind of when it comes time to kind of winning time. Yes, you have two great guards, but where's the teammate help? Where's the depth? I mean, you you can't really win if you don't have at least three or four solid contributors. And Washington had two solid, I mean, like you said, Russell Westbrook kind of with his crazy stats, partly because, I mean, Outside of him and Beal, who else was going to put up those kind of numbers? That's again, that's something that we talked about. Yeah, just kind of start from scratch. Yeah, that's true. All right, now over to the West as we got done with the East. Who's your first uh, headlines or first teams you want to think about? We'll, we'll we'll start with the number one overall seed, the Utah Jazz. Okay. Kind of getting past the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm actually. I won't say disappointed, but I thought that this would go seven just because Memphis is that young nucleus, young hungry core, kind of having the hype with John Morant. Kind of that you had some former players talking about the grit and grind, kind of looks a little bit like those grit and grind Grizzlies that we know and love. And and I thought that this this probably would have been, I mean, it's turned into the Clippers and Mavericks being the best series. I thought that the Jazz Grizzlies would be the best first round series wow. out of out of the four in the West because they won the and, first game without Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and and it sucks just because kind of the way that those teams are built seem to be kind of similar. Like they're both defensively strong teams. Mm. Like if 
so that, that's why I thought it would be a solid matchup because you have two young superstars and Conor Mitchell and Job Morant. Physical defense, we're going to see that. And Utah was just too much. I don't know if it's, again, looking at some of the fatigue, some of those young guys, kind of this being their first taste of the playoffs. But I fully expect Memphis to get back here, and I wouldn't be surprised if within two or three years, we're talking about Memphis, how we're talking about the Denver Nuggets. Like, we expect them to be top two, top three, competing to get to the Western Conference Finals consistently. Because I think that's their ceiling at the bare minimum. Well, uh, again, barring injury and if they can keep that nucleus together. But Utah Utah just surprises us kind of with their consistency. Like, they don't really do anything flashy. People still hate on Rudy Gobert for some reason, even though he's like a veteran in this thing. They, they just keep, like, they're a hamster wheel, but of, like, moderate success. Where they'll have, you know, peak here or there, but, like, we know Utah is just going to be there. Well, I mean, they're the number one seed, which is pretty incredible. Um, they basically, uh, You know, obviously, I guess the phone is ringing. I don't know who that is, so I can't. I can't answer. Them. I'm all by myself today, so if anyone's trying to call in about the NBA, I can't really pick up the phone. And plus, we can't put them over the air anyway. Um, but uh, like I would say, is that um, Utah for a while dipped a little bit. I mean, they had success. I, I they're, they're they're actually. I give them another one where look at their management. They kept them relevant for the last 20 some so odd years with Stockton Malone, obviously. We're really actually almost 40 years. Ever since Stockton and Malone have come to Utah, they've actually been very competitive throughout the West. A couple times got to the Western Conference Finals, couldn't get over the hump, especially in 92 when they lost to the Portland team. And then in 97, 98, they got to the finals and just couldn't get past uh, Jordan and them. But they, they, the West has always been strong when they've been strong as well. Um, and then even after those guys retired, you had Deron Williams and uh, Carlos Boozer those years. And then, you know, after Deron and Carlos kind of left, they, you know, they kind of dropped off a little bit, which happens to a lot of teams. But now they've rebounded and they've looked really well. Um, obviously, they can't have anyone get injured. You know, Donovan Mitchell didn't play in game one. And, and, and you know, Memphis took one there in at their home court. But then they ended up going on and getting four more from them. But. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz do make it to the finals. They got a good core of guys, especially with Mike Conley at the point. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how their journey goes on in the playoffs. Yeah, and and I think like both, yeah, like you said, Utah. Like we don't think about Utah as being one of those consistently strong teams because again they're on Salt Lake City. Like unless they're on TNT or you watch NBA, you know. You have the NBA app. Like, are you really hearing about Utah the much? They're kind of like the, they're kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. Like, they're they're consistent. You know that they're going to always show up. They're going to be a solid team, but like they don't get the limelight that obviously the big major markets do. Yeah, that is, that, uh, that 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 is true. Keep moving on. All right, so we'll stick to the have the number three seed. The other series that is. Finished again. Denver, like, like when Jamal Murray went down, and we talked about it on the show. 
we talked about how uh, Nikola Jokic is going to like put this team on his back and has like to continue to be that MVP guy. Now, I think he should win the MVP, even though with the late surge by Steph Curry. But like this Denver team just finds new ways. Like I'm just going to be 100% honest. I did not think Michael Porter had a quarter like that in him at all as an NBA player. I, I just didn't. And I don't know if that's because we were all kind of, when he came into the league and he was hurt and then he had to sit out, and we kind of talked about it during that draft recap, mm-hmm. like who is he going to turn out to be? Like can he kind of grow into that? Like what's he going to look like? Because if he can... And obviously it's going to take a little bit more consistently. But if he can be a solid option, getting you 15, 16 points a game as your number three when Jamal comes back, that, like, Denver should be consistently right up there. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of the scenes where because they're in Denver and the mile high, Kind of, we don't really think about them. I mean, now we're seeing it with Jokic, but yeah. And then on the other side, I mean, we we're gonna we underappreciate the greatness that is Damian Lillard right now. Mm. Like, we're gonna look back 10, 15 years and be like, Dame Lillard was a beast, and we took it for granted. No, I'm not taking it for granted. No, but there's there are some that I'm that are saying that well, Dame Lillard needs to leave. He needs to get rid of C.D. McCollum because he needs to win trophies. And, like, you know, the mantra of, you know, if you're not great, if you don't have a ring. He wanted to be a lifelong Portland No, I don't think it's, a, it's not a pressure on him. It's really a pressure on the organization. The pressure on Damian Lillard is, do you stay loyal or do you leave to go chase that ring? Because, to be honest, everyone knows that Damian Lillard is a great player. He just doesn't have nothing around him. You know, Nursev or whatever his name is, he fouls a lot. He's foul prone. And then... When he tries to make moves, he does too much and he loses the ball. C.J. McCollum has injuries. You can already tell. He's not the same player he was a couple years ago. He still gets buckets here and there, but some of those injuries that he's had, especially with his back, a bad bad back injury sucks. It comes and goes during the game. Some days you're really good. Some days you're not. And that just takes a toll on him. Uh, I mean, he they need another piece. You, you know, you, nowadays you need three guys on the team. You can't have two. Two back in the day, you could have two guys and uh, really compete for a championship. But in, in today's NBA, you got to have three solid guys, kind of just like what New, with uh, Brooklyn. So you almost called the New Jersey Nets. What Brooklyn Nets have actually, if you want to compete, and especially out in the West, because let's let's face it you can you can basically say all right dame you go get your 50 but we will just basically concentrate on these guys it'll be tough but if you can get two or three guys it's going to be tough to shut down two out of three guys that that's almost impossible um so that that's what's going on with with, with the blazers i think it's more on the organization that's why on on friday they announced that you know they mutually parted ways with terry stotts even though i think terry stotts did a really good job with the team i i thought but I mean, you know, Portland, like I said, is I, I personally believe is somewhat limited. They they are they're they're really limited. I mean, and Portland won the first game, and then they won Game Four, and then obviously lost five and six. Uh, and you know, Dame had that fifty point game. You know, but I mean, 
like I said, he needs a little bit of help, and 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 they needed in the they need a post player. I think Nikola Jokic really killed them. I think if Portland plays somebody else, this is another one of those series where if they played somebody else, maybe Portland gets out of the first round. Now they haven't been out of the first round the four out of the last five years, but um, yeah, I I think that's what would happen. Once again, it was one of those situations where they got into the playoffs with a bad matchup. Just, just the Denver wasn't going to help, and 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 let's face it, Denver didn't have Jamal Murray, so this could have got real ugly for them if Jamal Murray was in the game. So they kind of got fortunate with that. At least, you know, at least the games were competitive. But yeah, uh, Portland as an organization needs to realize or understand because they've got uh, Lillard locked up. I think for sure for three the next three years, they got to understand. Okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do here to 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 get some help for Mister Lillard? To help them out because if they get a couple pieces, this team could come out of the West. But that's a big if. Yeah, and I think, and that's some of the conversations that I'm hearing is like they're testing Damian Lillard's loyalty. Like, do you like it's that conversation? Do you want to be loyal to the city or do you want to go when? Like, like they're trying to, they're basically saying is. You know, that whole conversation about, oh, is his legacy tarnished because he wants to be loyal to the fan base of Portland instead of getting rings? It comes back to that million-dollar question. Like, do you want to – like, he's successful with whatever he does. Kind of, he's a, he's a superstar. But it's like, is it what the people want or what Damian Lillard wants? Because it seems like Damian Lillard wants to build Portland into that winner. He wants to bring success to Portland. He's always been a loyal guy. I mean, he was like that with the AAU. You know, he could have went to the shoe circuit team, but instead he decided to stay on the independent team. That's why some people think he went to Weber State um, because he played more on the independent team instead of the shoe team to get in front of the the bigger college coaches. I mean, that's just the way he is. And like I said, sometimes I think, and it's unfortunate, especially in this day and age, uh, everyone just wants to think that your career is successful because you won a championship, and that's, that's not true. I mean, let's face it, Robert Ory won seven championships, but is he going to be considered one of the greats? Eh, wasn't a bad player. Actually, he could have been one of the greats um, early on in his career. He was getting numbers, but then after that, he just fell into some role as a role player. And I, I just don't, I think that's just not fair. I think that's not fair to guys like Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, just because they didn't win a ring. I mean, it, it takes a total team effort and also takes a, uh, you know, Things have to line up, you know. You, you got to get good matchups. Sometimes you got to line up and be with a good organization. You know, Charles Barkley, early on in his career, was with Philadelphia, but you know, right before he left, I would probably say from '88 to '92, Philadelphia was not a very well-ran organization, especially towards in the, especially when it got to the '90s. I mean, heck, they're letting Ahmad Rashad play in preseason games. It's like, come on, dude, let's stop doing that. And then when he got to Phoenix, he got to a little bit better ran organization with Jerry Colangelo, and uh, they tried to do some things. But once again, things just didn't line up. You know, they kept facing those Houston Rockets teams. Um, so th- that's just how it goes sometimes. But right now, I think Portland is on the clock. Um, they got to see what they can probably finagle in the draft. Um, they didn't really have many bigs. You know, they had, I believe, Covington was trying to guard Jokic, and it's just like, that ain't that ain't going to work. Uh, they try to bring in Powell as a scoring as a scoring threat. So, um, like I said, it, 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 Portland, like I said, they're gonna have to really examine 
that roster and see what, what they can and can't do. Yeah. Uh, and now we go to Los Angeles. And we'll, we'll start with a series that's going on. At the beginning of the series, kind of when it was looking like Dallas was just going to wipe the floor with L.A., the memes couldn't stop. Like, we were, we were carrying Paul George, a new one, like the whole playoff PU. Kawhi Leonard was moving to, you know, Miami. They were trying to re- clear out this entire bench. And then, I don't, like, I don't know if it's just the pressure of, the L.A. media knowing that this is the Clippers' probably last good chance to win the title, because I think next year it's probably going to be one of those rebuilds where they're looking to kind of try to figure out the future and kind of get some of that draft capital. Or if it's just Dallas, uh, when Luka got hurt and kind of now he's hobbled, so now it's like, okay, now Kawhi is showing that he's dominant. I I honestly don't know who's going to win this year. I personally think it might be Dallas, just the Luka effect. But then again, Kawhi stepped up. But here's the problem, and I hate to tell people this. The Clippers are going to falter somewhere. I I don't believe in this Clippers team at all. They're just not dominant. Then you're hearing rumors they're trying to avoid playing the Lakers, even though you already it's obvious the Lakers have been hurt and they're not themselves, and and, and they're just not – they weren't on championship level at all. This, this something something's not right with this team. It, it's just something not right with it, with this this Clippers team. And I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the Mavericks beat them. And you know if they if they end up winning, they end up playing Utah. And I think Utah will, will probably beat beat the living tar out of them. So I, I'm not I'm not really on this LA Clippers team at all. Yeah, and, and I, I would say I like. From a fan's perspective, I'd rather see Luka Doncic kind of move on. Just kind of get Dallas, the revival. Of kind of, we're really seeing Luka on this grand stage again. I think a lot more people are really starting to kind of become witnesses to the star power that is Luka Doncic. And yeah, I'm like, what? When we think about the LA Clippers, if you know, like, think about where their success has been, or limited success. Like, they wanted to be the team in L.A. And it just seems like they get close, they get into these moments where they create this undue pressure upon themselves by not showing up in performances, by having poor shooting nights, by looking sluggish defensively, the meme going around where they were laughing at um, Davis Bertans after, I think it was Bertans after the dunk kind of that meme, and then next thing you know, you have Rajon Rondo, like, death-staring Kawhi and Paul George in your face. Like, what? what is their identity? And I'm, I don't know what that is. I understand the conversation, and for some reason it's about LeBron's legacy, which, fan, like, he is literally out there being the team leader in the elimination game in every category. Antonio or Anthony Davis is getting hurt more times than a soccer player that flops. Like Jesus, man! Like, like we—I don't know. And on the show, y'all know me. 
I find anything to talk about LeBron. Like, I don't know what more LeBron could do. Like, he's out there. Dennis Shutter gives him zero points last, like, one game this series. You have players that are inconsistent. Kyle Kuz was talking about, we want to get better. Meanwhile, like, it's a cluster fleet in Los Angeles for the Lakers. And the Phoenix Suns were the better team. And they showed that. Yeah, they were. They were the better team. And then, and like we said, the Lakers were injured too. Anthony Davis. It, it, it just, it was a mixed mash of stuff. I think, I think the Lakers, just like the Heat, benefited from the bubble because LeBron was able to get rest. They were get to refresh their minds. Obviously a controlled environment. The Lakers go in there and they win the championship. Now, I'm not going to be like some of these guys that say, well, there should be an asterisk because it was in the bubble. Hey, teams came and showed up to compete. You won the championship. You won the championship. Now, on the backside of that was you played in the bubble, and then you had to kind of have a short turnaround. So you had to be able to rest halfway through the season, but then you had the short turnaround. Um, Him getting the ankle injury didn't help as much, and this is where age becomes a factor. I mean, let's face it. When you get older and you get those injuries like that, you don't spring back. And, and LeBron has to be careful because if you get an injury, you know, especially at, at 37, it, it's a slow recovery. You know, he might just have to recover during the offseason, and, and that, that's just how it has to be. But this team, you know, losing guys like Rajon Rondo was, you know, a big loss. JaVale McGee, you know, guys that had championship pedigree, and you replaced them with Andre Drummond and, and, and Dennis Schroeder. Mm. That 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 right there it already tells you that some things about what was going to happen. I mean, it was just it was just a big mess for the team. Now, obviously, L.A. was one of the top three teams uh, before LeBron got hurt. But then once that happened, it, it, you kind of lost some chemistry because then it almost was like, okay, now AD's back and LeBron's not there, and then LeBron comes back. You didn't have AD there, so it, that that kind of missing chemistry hurts. Uh, you, you do not realize why now AD is a second fiddle guy. He's not a number one guy. He can't be your alpha guy. He can't be a guy that you can build your franchise around, which the Lakers have to start realizing that because LeBron's not going to be around forever. And you got this guy that's been very injury prone. Uh, do you make him the main guy? I would say no. Now, I saw AD about five years ago. Was it five years? Yeah, it was five years ago. Score 59 points against the Pistons at the Palace when he's with New Orleans. But he's he's not a number one guy. He just doesn't have that alpha mentality. Great number two guy. And if he gets paired with someone, he's a great talent. But now he's, he's always getting soft tissue injuries, which is a bit of a concern. And, I, I, and I, the Lakers have to look into that. Kyle Kuzma, someone you're going to have to look into. He, he hasn't really... He's always inconsistent in his role. I think Alex Caruso's been very consistent in what he does. But, yeah, it's more mess there in L.A. And and, and they got to really start contemplating another team where if you're going to go for the championship, you got to go all in, but you got to get the right pieces around them because, let's face it, LeBron is not going to be LeBron for another two or three years. I I think what you see now is LeBron is – he's. He's the next year. I will say there will probably be Luka Doncic or someone else will be the best player in the league. It won't be LeBron. It's just not. He's not at that dominant phase anymore. He just can't do it. He can, now he'll come in here and give you solid numbers. He'll be like Jordan when he was with the Wizards at the end, where he could probably get you twenty three to twenty five a night. 
But to see the old LeBron come in and just explode and take over a game and take over a series, those days are over. They're just over. He's now getting to the point where, for one, he's so physically dominant and so really talented. He's a little bit above Carmelo Anthony. I'll say that. He's above Carmelo Anthony where he can come in and get the role because I think Carmelo Anthony in the right setting can get you 18 points a game, which is great. But LeBron being the man-man, I give him one more year of that. And then after that, you might need to bring in a younger player where he can compliment him and kind of pass the torch on. I'll say that. And I think kind of looking at the series and looking at there was an article by kind of Anthony Davis when his comments about kind of barking back at Charles Barkley about his injury and then looking at some of Anthony Davis's injury history. It's like, can he be? Like, knowing that LeBron... LeBron's getting up there. Like, let's just be honest. Like, well, I just said that. Be, yeah, 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 he's 37 years like, old. But, no, but I think people don't understand that. Like, people were blasting him when, in that elimination game, LeBron was, you know, resting a good chunk of the fourth quarter instead of being out there being LeBron. Like, the man is in his upper 30s. Like, he's playing 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 minutes. Like, that takes a lot out of you after... Like you said, a short off season and a seventy-two game season plus it's you know freakish athlete. But yeah, it's what do you do with Anthony Davis? Last fall, five-year, one hundred ninety million dollar extension, knowing that his injury history. Like who? Like if you're going to build this team and think about Anthony Davis being your centerpiece for at least the next you know four seasons. Like, like, like you said, and we saw the same thing when he was in New Orleans. Like, he's got to have a team around him, and I just don't know if the, the team that the Lakers have, with all these older veterans, is going to be a team that is going to threaten people outside of, hey, we still have LeBron James, who when he's on and when he is not injured, is still top two, top three best players in the world. Right. Yeah, that that is true. So, wrapping this up, um, your thoughts all in all through the playoffs as we uh, the first round of the playoffs so far, and then we'll go from go to something uh, to our next segment. Uh, it, like you said, it's been a great playoff so far. Some of the matches have been one sided, but particularly in the West, it's been some good, compelling TV, and we'll definitely see that again with this Game Seven between Clippers and the Mavericks. Okay. Yeah, that, that that'll 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 be a, that will be an interesting one. So, uh, right now, great talking to you, David. We'll close out this segment. Make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud, Cloud, and iTunes. WXGT's after further review with the picture of Frank Master in the horse's head. Uh, coming up, David, you're talking about, <laughs> I guess, an AFR legend. He just, as they say, legends are hard to get to put down and go away. And somehow we thought he went away. And now he's making a comeback. One of your favorite guys. Oh, yes. I mean, of course I had to talk about him. Like, And, and it's, I mean, it's a football topic, but we, we all know why we're talking about this in 2021. Yeah. Well, we'll take a quick commercial break. Listen to 88.3 WCTs after further review. We'll be back after this. 